Welcome to the Trinity Baptist Church podcast with Dr. Robert Creech. For more information about our church and to keep up to date with the latest resources, please visit our website at www.trinitybaptist.org. Enjoy the podcast. The Lord is with you. I entered the words new and improved in my Google search engine yesterday and got 668 million hits in less than a second. That's a lot. You would think that the worst sin in America is not being upgraded to whatever is new and improved. That whatever we have, the cereal or shampoo or energy drinks or cell phones and laundry detergent and various over-the-counter prescription drugs, that if we don't have the latest version of that, that's uh, faster, better, cheaper, more efficient or cooler, then we're out of touch. And it's pretty easy to think that these claims to new and improve are something to just be laid aside because we hear them so very often. And I don't think it's the failure of the old version that makes us so attracted to the new. It's just this fear of not being up to date, not being in touch. Can, maybe we're convinced that the newer is always better. Well, with that, hear Jesus' words in the upper room that night before he was crucified. He had a lot of words to share that night. In the Gospel of John, chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17 are nearly all the words of Jesus spoken to his disciples in the upper room. And he talks to them about so many things that they're going to need to know in his absence, his physical absence. He talks to them about the need for peace and for being able to endure and sustain under persecution. He talks to them about the need to receive the Holy Spirit and be under the subjection of the Holy Spirit's leadership and, and teaching. He has so many important things to say to them that night. But here's where he spoke about the new and improved. In chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, he said, A new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. That new commandment is what gives this night its name in the Christian calendar. Monday, Thursday. I grew up as a Baptist, and I didn't know what Monday, Thursday was. I thought it was Monday, Thursday, and I didn't make sense out of that. Monday comes from the Latin root that we get the word mandate from, or the word commandment. Monday, Thursday is the night Jesus gave us the new commandment. It's the focus of the night. He did other things. He washed his disciples' feet, as we heard that. He broke bread and shared the cup with them, and we will participate in that. But in the midst of all of that evening with his disciples, he gave them a new commandment. A new commandment. Love one another. Really. Is that new? Anybody ever hear of Leviticus 19.18, written 1,300 years earlier? Love your neighbor as yourself? How is this an improvement over that? How is it any different? What's so new about the new commandment? 
Even decades later, the Apostle John, who's recording this, wrote a letter to some of his churches, and he said this in 1 John, Dear friends, I'm not writing a new command, but an old one, which you've had since the beginning. This old commandment is the message you've heard. Yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him, in Jesus, and in you. Because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. It's an old commandment, really. Love one another. But its specific connection to Jesus and what Jesus did in the hours following giving that commandment changed the tenor of it entirely, making it new. It's a new commandment, really quickly, for about three or four reasons. One is it's a new commandment because it introduces, as Jesus gave it, a new way of identifying the people of God and the people of the new covenant. He broke the bread and shared the cup, and he said, this cup is the new covenant, the new agreement between God and people that's made in my blood. He alluded when he said that back to Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 to 34, where Jeremiah said, there's coming a day, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant I made with their forefathers, which covenant they broke, says the Lord, but I will make a new covenant. I will put my law within their hearts. This new covenant Jesus establishes with the bread and cup is accompanied by a new commandment. Ancient Israel was known distinctive from the nations as the covenant of people of God because they kept God's commandment. They referred to the Ten Commandments sometimes as just the commandment. It is the terms of the covenant. It made them distinctive from the nations. You knew they were the Israel, the people of God, because they were devoted to the commandment, to keeping the law. And now Jesus says, in this new covenant, I'm writing my law within your heart, and this is the way people are going to know that you're my disciple, if you love one another. That's the mark of the Christian. Francis Schaeffer, who is an American evangelical theologian, um, who died in 1984, wrote a little book, only 63 pages long, called The Mark of the Christian. And in there, he was really focusing on a single idea. He was asking the question, how do we, followers of Jesus, live before the world in such a way that the gospel that we preach becomes believable? Or to put it another way, how do we, by our living, make it impossible for people to believe the gospel we preach? How is it that our gospel becomes believable? And he pointed to these words of Jesus, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That cuts both ways. On the one hand, it validates our gospel. We claim to be followers of Jesus who died on the cross, who was sent from God, and we validate that by loving and living a life that demonstrates his love. On the other hand, when we live any other way, we invalidate the very message that we preach. That's what Francis Schaeffer concluded. It's the distinctive mark of the Christian. So it's a new commandment in that it is a new way of identifying God's people by our love for one another, pure and simple. It's a new commandment because it measures obedience in a different way. 
Obedience was measured to the old law just by conformity to it. But Jesus says, by this shall all men know you're my disciples, if you love as I have loved you. The measure of love is now defined by the cross, by this cup and bread that they're going to partake of, by the act that will take place on Calvary the next day. As I have loved you, so you shall love one another. In the manner that I have loved you, you love one another. It's a new measure. Uh, in chapter 15 of John, just a couple of uh, pages over, Jesus said, this is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. He repeats it and then says, greater love has no one than this, that a man lays down his life for his friends. The measure of love is now the cross. The measure of following Jesus is that we take up our cross and follow him and go after him, that we go where he goes and live as he lived and do as he does and spoke as he spoke. And our life is measured now by the cross. That's, a, that's new. It's a new commandment because the capacity to obey it is not something we have within ourselves, but it's something that God gives us through our learning to know Jesus, his son. In chapter 15, when he's in the upper room with them, one of the things he says to them is, I am the vine and you are the branches. If anyone abides in me and I abide in him, they will bring forth much fruit. And then he says... I want you to bring forth much fruit so that your father may be glorified. What is the fruit that he's looking for? I've heard that preached in a lot of different ways, but listen to it in its context. Verse 8, chapter 15. My father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments... You will abide in my love as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. I've said these things to you so my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Jesus said, it's like a branch connected to the vine draws its life from the vine and all of its nutrients. And on the end of the vine are those clusters of fruit that are there as a product of that branch abiding in the vine. And so that his joy is in us. He said his love is in us. And that the fruit we bear of loving one another is the consequence of our living in close, dependent relationship on him. It's not something we do in and of ourselves. This new life comes to us from the life of Jesus. And the new commandment's new because it is the one commandment that's never fulfilled. You can't ever check it off your list. Write it down on your to-do list every day. Keep the new commandment. You'll never check it off because it's never fulfilled. There's always another person in front of you. There's another, another conversation to be had, another text to send, another Facebook post not to respond to. The new commandment is always in front of us, never fulfilled, always new, always new, always new, because it calls us to a kind of life. Love is patient, Paul said. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It doesn't dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. 
Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. That's always out in front of us, this new commandment. The virtuous life that we're called to as disciples of Jesus is the life of Jesus being lived in us, right in these everyday, ordinary places where we conduct our lives. And the virtuous life that he calls us to is not at all about religion. It's about relationship with one another. It's about love. William Law, back in the 18th century, wrote these words. He said, it's very observable that there's not one command in all the gospel for public worship. And perhaps it's a duty that is at least, it is a duty that is least insisted upon in scripture of any other. The frequent attendance at it is never so much as mentioned in the New Testament. Whether that religion or devotion which is to govern the ordinary actions of our life is to be found in almost every verse of scripture. If we are to follow Christ... It must be in the way we are spending life every day. The new commandment. I believe the new commandment really is new and improved. Simple, direct, powerful, easily remembered. Actually, you can't forget it. You can't go, what was that new commandment? You love one another as I have loved you. That's the commandment. And if we want to live a devoted life, its fruit will be evident in one place the degree to which our lives are marked in all of our relationships by Christian love. Let me say that again. If we're to live the devoted life, it will be marked by one thing, and that is the way that we live out Christian love in all of our words, in all of our relationships, in all of our interactions with all of the people who are part of all of our lives. It's the way it works. It will not be the frequency of our prayers that will mark us as being like Jesus, but our demonstration of his love. It will not be the depth of our teaching ability that will distinguish us, but that his love is expressed in our words and deeds. It will not be the power of our ministries that will demonstrate we're his disciples, but that we love as he loved. It will not be the piety of our language that show others we belong to him, but the sacrificial love that we offer. It will not be our orthodoxy that sways people to his gospel, but our lives. All those other things are important, prayer and truth and power and devotion. But the one thing that he said would characterize and distinguish our lives is this mutual love for each other, loving like he loved. And that comes from abiding in him. We depend upon him, we listen to him, we follow him, and we learn to love like him. As I have loved you, he said, those words echo with these signs that are before us. As I have loved you, how did he do that? God demonstrated his love for us, Paul said, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He laid his life down for us, showing greater love than anything. He died on a cross. And Jesus gave us these beautiful signs the night before he died. And he said the bread would be a sign, a symbol, a reminder of his broken body. And the cup would be a reminder of his spilled blood. And he said that we were to continually, as God's people, practice remembering him by partaking of the bread and the cup. So Christians, for 2,000 years and more, have on this night, the Thursday before Easter, gathered, and they're gathering all over the world right now. And they're breaking bread and drinking the cup and being reminded of the new commandment. 
And when we leave here, it's not an accident that he said he gave us something to eat and drink because he wants us to take him in. He wants his life to be inside of our life. Even as we digest the bread and the juice, we, it becomes a part of who we are. So his love and his sacrifice are to become a part of who we are. And we come to celebrate that tonight. Father, we are grateful that you loved us so much, that you dealt with all that separated us from you by giving your life, your son's life on the cross. Jesus, we, we thank you for that. Holy Spirit, we thank you for calling us to Christ and making him real to us. And we thank you for these reminders that are on the tables in front of us. Help them become for us full reminders of the body and the blood of Jesus tonight. And help us, Lord, day by day, moment by moment, to learn to love like you love. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed your segment of the Trinity Baptist Church podcast with Dr. Robert Creech. Join us next week for another segment. For more information about our church, please visit our website at trinitybaptist.org.